0: Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. We have several ways for identifying who we are in the United States. Driver's license, birth certificate, social security card, passport, etc. But the Bible tells us that our primary proof of residence in the kingdom of God is is the love we show each other in this week's message carol miracle identifies several ways that we can work on developing this christianly love as we go to our message today let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that god would speak to us second scripture
1: reading today is from the book of colossians chapter 3 starting in verse 1. since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your mind on things above not on earthly things for you have died for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god when christ who is your life appears then you will appear with him in glory put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, Pray with me, please. God, I thank you for, for how you take care of us, for how you lead us, and I thank you for the opportunity to be here and share your word and share what's on my heart. I pray that, that it's your voice that we hear this morning and that it's your words and your message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, Dave, right. he texted me earlier this week and asked if I'd like this opportunity, and I said, "Oh, well, let me think about it, and I did, and I don't really think it was very long so after. I did say that, okay. And um, I don't think it was long after. In fact, it was the same day um, I texted him back and said, yes, I've I've got something I feel like I need to say. And I would be glad to do it. And as I worked through what I wanted to say and what I wanted to share, um, the same things and same thoughts just kind of kept coming up in my mind again. And so that's kind of where I am. Um, I asked Amy if they would sing... um, They'll know we're Christians by our love. Um, she said, sure. Um, and so I kind of want to expand on that a little bit today. So we're going to close with that. Um, I'm sure most of us are familiar with the song. Amy told me that it's not actually in the hymnal, which I did not know whether it was or not. I just know I knew the song. Um, but I think that uh, in the time that we're living... Right now, it's important for others or the world to see us through our love. And in a way, that's kind of a vague term. What does that mean? They're going to know we're Christians by our love. And what I want to talk about this morning are some ways that we can show Christ's love is really living through our lives. Um, The world seems really dark right now. Our country seems to be in a really dark place. You may look out or have friends who look out and don't really see solutions to what's going on right now. We don't see any good answers, an end, a resolution. Um, Some people feel hopeless. Some are maybe angry. Some are hateful. Some are acting out those emotions in ways that are scary, uh, maybe even terrifying for some. Uh, Maybe you don't see how everything that's happening right now will ever appear normal or right, whatever those words mean. Um, I want you to think, though, about all the turmoil we're going through right now and think back in history. I mean, do you think we're the first group of people that have had to deal with uncertainty and leadership that may or may not be corrupt or that may or may not be putting our interests first? It's not the first time that it's happened. Um, think about the government in New Testament times. Uh, we had pagan Roman emperors who lit up their gardens with Christians they impaled on poles. That's, you know, they were sinful, evil leaders. They weren't the first, they're not the last. Um, corrupt governments, corrupt leaders for that matter, I don't think they're all that different now than they were in New Testament times. Empires and governments come and go. Even our government here in the United States will one day not be here. But the one thing that's been constant has been the presence of God and his word. And he led New Testament Christians through their troubling times. And he's going to lead Christians now through our troubling times. Uh, it's going to seem a little bit like a Bible drill today. I know I read two rather lengthy scriptures for our scripture reading, and we're going to touch back on both of those, but I found some other ways or some other verses to kind of back up what I want to say today. Um, again, I said earlier that they'll know we're Christians by our love is kind of vague, and so My goal today is to point out some more specific ways that we can show that love and back it up by what uh, the writers of the New Testament have to say. Um, Deuteronomy 5.6 tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we're going to use more scripture this morning to show what that looks like. Um, Paul tells us in Galatians 5.6 that the only thing that matters... Is faith expressing itself through love? And so I've uh, decided I would use a little alliteration. If you're an English teacher, you know what that means. I picked words that all start with the same letter. And um, uh, we're going to, I even made one into a verb that I don't think is really a verb, but we're going to go with it. Um, The first, the letter is E, and the first word is engage. If you've been in the education field at all for any length of time, and I used to be, one of the big buzzwords that your leaders at school would tell you is, are your students engaged? And we had to talk about what that meant and that our lessons actually properly engage the students. Um, well, I think as Christians, we need to be engaged as well, but in God's Word and with prayer. We're going to go back to Colossians 3 again. Verse 2 says, to set your mind on things above, not earthly things. Um, I found when I was driving, either driving when I drove to school every day when I taught school, when I first started um, three years ago at a job in Dallas and I had to go to work every day, there's an hour and a half I spent in the car to and from, and it mattered what I put in my mind on that journey. And so I used to spend the time listening to Christian radio, whether it was praise songs or a minister on the radio who had a message. It was a time when I was captive. I couldn't be doing anything else but driving to work. And I used that time to put that kind of stuff in my head. And when I didn't do that, I could tell it was missing. Last March, even before um, COVID, posted all the stay-at-home orders. I had surgery on a foot in March, and I was planning on an extended time of work from home and not going in to the office, and during that time, um, I stopped listening to Christian radio because it was my habit to listen to it in the car, and so I would work, and I didn't have that commute or that, that time to kind of get my mind set for work, and I realized really only recently that I missed that. My Christian walk was missing that. And so in the past um, probably month or so, I've started listening to the radio. Again, I do it on my phone now, um, but I listen. And, and having that, those words from God, whether again, whether it's a radio preacher, whether it's just a song, whether it's the, the people that talk on the radio, it makes a difference what goes in my head and what I focus on during the day. Uh, verse 16 in chapter 3 also says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Dwell. We've read that word before in Scripture. I think it literally meant pitch your tent. It meant you were going to stay a while. And to be dwelling, in, to be letting God's word dwell in us means I have to spend some time with it. Um, dwell, abide I know a lot of you, and Dave's mentioned before the seedbed daily devotion. I get it from an email. And the guy who writes that has been um, doing a series where he talks about, um, uh, he has five words about how we deal with scripture or how we could deal with, with God's word read, ruminate. If you don't know what ruminate means, it's what cows do when they eat. You know about cows? They have like four stomachs, and they chew for a while and swallow, and then it comes back, and they chew some more and swallow. That's where the word ruminate comes from. So read, ruminate. He he made up a word, too, the daily text guy, um, rememberize. It's not just a matter of memorization, but it's something further down deep inside. Research and rehearse. Practice it. So in order to let um, the word of Christ dwell in me, I need to do those five things. Uh, and not just being in His Word, prayer is important too. Colossians four two says we're to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then Romans twelve two, which Dave had on the trivia early, do I remember what it said? I, I knew exactly where that one was. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I can't be transformed. I can't be renewed any other way but with God's word. That's the only way. All right, now it's kind of Bible drill time. We're still talking about um, engaging in God's word. James 5.13, and you don't have to turn, and I have to tell you, I'm kind of cheating. I tabbed my Bible so that I could find them a little quicker. Um, James 5.13 tells us when to pray. He says, if, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Anytime. Are you happy? Are you unhappy? Are you troubled? Whichever. Pray. And Psalm 1911 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. If I don't have his word in my heart, then I can't use it. If it's not there, I mean, this is one thing for it to be in your head, but it's another thing for it to be in your heart and permeating out in your life. If I don't know what God's word really says then people can use it against me. They can take it and twist it. Remember Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, Satan used God's word, kind of tweaked it a little bit, But if Jesus hadn't known what it really said, then he wouldn't have been able to combat the devil. So there's still people out there who will take what's here and twist it. And if I don't know what it really says, then I can't tell the difference. So engage, God's word and prayer. All right, my second word is exhibit. And what I feel like we need to exhibit is kindness and compassion. And I don't just mean to people that you agree with, um, but we need to show kindness and compassion even to those that we don't agree with or that maybe even we don't like very much. Um, Back in Colossians 3.12, it says as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's kind of hard sometimes. But he still tells us to do it. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I don't have my version of the message Bible with me, but I think part of it was put, the way it phrases it in the message is put on love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. It ought to be something we wear all the time. When I get up in the morning, it ought to be what I put on. So showing that love, and I'm quoting 1 John too. (laughs) I thought thought Dave was going to have my message before I got up here first John 4:13 and going through verse 21. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. Oops, I'm not supposed to stop there, sorry. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must love his brother. James, in chapter 1, 26 and 27, tells us about pure religion. He says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So showing that love, showing that care, showing that compassion, in, in New Testament times, orphans and widows were among the most helpless in society. There was nothing, no way for them to be able to help themselves. And James was, was letting the early church know that's part of our responsibility, is to take care of those people who are helpless and show love to them. So engaging God's word, exhibit kindness, and third is um, exemplify exemplify um, what a model citizen looks like. The world is watching Christians and our reaction to everything that's going on in our world and in our nation today. Romans 13, which we read earlier, talks a lot about (coughs) how to be a good citizen. Um, Remember again what kind of leaders were in charge of the Roman government when Paul and Peter were writing. They were not very commendable people in and of themselves but Paul says in Romans 13 that everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. It didn't matter that he didn't agree with Caesar or that he thought Caesar was being unfair or cruel. He tells us that the authority is that which God has established. Further down in chapter 13, he tells us why we pay taxes. We're supposed to follow the laws of the land because God established that leadership. Um, Again, Christians are being executed at this time, but Paul still tells his um, Christians to show honor. He says, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Um, Peter also, First Peter 2, um, starting in verse, th- verse 13, says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do, ri- who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. I have to keep thinking about what kind of leaders Peter and Paul had at that time, and he's still saying, honor the king. He didn't tell them to rebel. He told them to pray. Pray and obey the authority. All right, my fourth word is encourage. Um, we, as Christians, we need to lift each other up through prayer and face-to-face. We can um, lift each other up during a time that's troubling, during a time that's difficult. Um, encouragement is always, I think it's always good. It's... Um, I know I'm kind of old-fashioned, I like getting little notes in the mail, and I bet I'm not the only one. I'm just going to go out there on a limb. Most of the stuff, a lot of people pay their bills online, so they don't even get a paper statement of a bill in the mail anymore. Um, Most of what you get are Brookshire's ads and political cards and stuff trying to get you to hook up to DirecTV. I mean, that's the kind of mail I went through this week. But when I get something that somebody has taken time to write a little note, stick a stamp on it, and throw it in the mail, it's kind of a light in a time that's, you know, there's boring stuff in the mail. And it's an encouragement. It, it helps lift somebody up. Writing may not be your thing. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's an email. But it's easy to do. It really isn't very hard to reach out and encourage someone. Romans, back in Romans, chapter 12, verse 10, says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. As part of the Christian community, we need to lift each other up. Ephesians 4 Starting in verse 1, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And here's a lot of the words we just heard in Colossians 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, through all, and in all. Be humble, be patient, be kind, but lift your Christian brothers and sisters up. Um, Continuing on down to, um, starting in verse 11, it says, it was he, meaning Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Build us up for works, and we're going to talk about works and things to do here in just a second. Um, Further on down in Ephesians 4, in verse 29 Paul says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." And a couple of verses down, be kind and compassionate. He's repeating those words again. To one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. <clears throat> Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. It's, people are having a tough time. Your Christian brothers and sisters are. And it's up to us to be an encourager, to be there to listen, to be there to pray. I guarantee you, if you see someone, Christian brother or sister or not, and you ask them this week, hey, how could I pray for you this week? What are they going to say? They might just say, oh, I'm okay, but they're not going to be mad. They're not going to be angry. They're not going to turn you away. They just might tell you a way that you could pray for them, and then, then you can go and do that. I was um, at Camp Gladiator, and those of you who know me very well know me. I exercise, and I, I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. But we were at camp yesterday, and um, several of our trainers are very, i'm not going to describe them very well that they're really good christian models to follow they pray at the end of camp they encourage they're very active in their church home and i stopped um, one of the trainers yesterday and just said hey would you pray for me and i told her about today and instead of just saying yes i'll pray for you and walking off she said have you got time to pray right now i said sure and so we did and it was the sweetest thing. She's, she's, she's an adorable person anyway, but it was so sweet for her to say, let's do it now and to do it right then. We all need that kind of encouragement. And sometimes it may seem a little hard to put yourself out there to be that encourager. But nobody, I, I can almost guarantee you, if you ask someone, how can I pray for you, they're, they're not going to turn you away. All right, so after we encourage, um, my next word is exceed, and exceed through service and giving for others. In James, I won't go back there now, it tells us to be doers of the word and not simply hearers. I know works don't save us, but they're there for us to do. God encourages us to go and do and help others. Um, Ephesians. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Kind of like he has a to-do list for each of us. There are things he's got set out for us to do, and part of our service, part of our relationship with him is to do those things. Sometimes those things might be a little scary, might be a little uncomfortable, might take you out of your comfort zone, but service to Christ is never gonna feel like time wasted. Um, We may feel that there are those in power politically that don't necessarily reflect our views. And, you know, uh, there's never going to be a perfect leader. There's never going to be a perfect political party. God's not Democrat, and God's not Republican either. They're they're not out there to be spiritual leaders for us. But as Christians, we can take... um, opportunities for things that we want to support, things that we believe the Bible supports, we can take our time and our money and work toward those causes that we feel are important. And it may not be just a matter of writing a check to support a good cause. It may be getting on my feet and going out there and helping one of those good causes. I'm never gonna find that perfect political leader who agrees with everything I believe or believes everything that's in the word of God and wants to govern that way. We're not gonna find that. We've gotta work with an imperfect world and an imperfect government, just like Paul and his co-writers of the New Testament had to live in a world that was corrupt and violent and evil. We've gotta live in that same kind of world. And so we can put our energies toward those good causes that we believe in and, and affect change in ways like that. All right, I got two more words left. The sixth one is energize. And I, what, I want, what I'm asking you to energize is your witness. The last time I got to stand up here, I did talk about making disciples, and I still think that's one of the most important things as a Christian we need to, to do. It doesn't matter numbers and how many people show up at church. What matters is are we making a difference in somebody else's life, eternally speaking? Have I told them what Christ has done for me and how Christ can help them too? Again, I mentioned it earlier, the world is watching. They're looking at us as Christians to see how we act and how we react to everything that's going on around us. We always wanna be able to put um, Christ first and show that we're working for Christ. Um Philippians two fourteen and fifteen are kind of some of my favorites here. Maybe because I have I, just, I have had a problem with part of doing what part of it says. Fourteen Philippians two fourteen says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. I I, I have a tough time with that, I gotta confess. Complaining has been something that I've worked hard to overcome. But what I like about this passage is it tells us why we shouldn't be complaining and arguing. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I can do that. By showing the world that I don't complain and I don't argue, I can show them Christ. That's a good reason not to complain, to be able to be something that's different. And when I was teaching school, there was um, one of the years, uh, of course, we had an assigned time. We had to go to lunch. And I, liked, I didn't like staying in my room for lunch. I liked leaving and going to the teacher's lounge to eat just because it was a different change of pace and we had to eat fast. Um, but one particular year, there was a team of teachers from a different grade that had the same lunch as me. And sitting in there and listening to them was, I was beat down. They complained about everything and I mean, everything and the whole 20 to 30 minutes we got to sit in there and eat this group was complaining that'll i got to where i didn't even want to go and eat if some of them and it it was usually when the whole three of them were there if there were only two or there was only one they didn't complain quite so much but if all three of them were there it was giant complaining party it was hot it was hard hard to listen to and hard to go back to the classroom and pick your class up and go on with that kind of attitude. And it made me realize that, that people listen to what you say, they, listen, they watch how you act, they watch how you react, and how much difference a positive um, reaction to things makes to other people. Different situation in the teacher's lounge. Uh, we were a uh, different school, and we were uh, the the woman who had been our school secretary was retiring in the middle of the year it was an unusual time for her to leave we kind of thought it was unusual um, but she was leaving and someone else was taking her place who was a little bit younger a little bit less experienced and um one of the teachers um, in the lounge that day was talking about how this was Miss So-and-so's last day and tomorrow the school is just gonna, the office will just go downhill fast. And I I, I, I said, well, you know, maybe we just need to give the new Miss So-and-so a chance. And it will probably all be okay. I think she'll be fine. And I didn't think anything about what I said. I just was kind of annoyed that the other teacher the, the, the young lady who was taking the secretary's place was probably within earshot of this woman at the table. She could have heard what she said, and I thought, well, how hurtful would that be? And after that, I didn't think anything else about it, but the next day, someone else came up to me who had been sitting around the table that day and heard this woman's horrible comments and heard my response. And she said, I'm glad you said something because I felt like it was really wrong for her to say that. So people are listening. Someone else heard me try to build the new girl up. Our attitudes make a difference, and we can make so much bigger impact for the kingdom of Christ when our attitude is positive. First Peter says, in chapter three, verse fifteen, "In your hearts set apart Christ. I'm sorry, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord." Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. Have an answer ready. People are gonna see that you act and react differently. And I need to have an answer ready when they notice it. Why, why are you calm and peaceful through all this? Why are you not worried? I'm not worried because my hope is in something that's eternal. Be ready to give an answer. And last, I, and this is the word I think I made up um, eternalize, not internalize, eternalize your point of view. We need to think in a view that realizes that this is not the end. This period of history, even though it seems tumultuous, troubling, trying, it's temporary. It's, it's, it's just here for just a little bit of time. We think of the hundreds, I don't know, years of the Roman Empire and it's gone. Babylonian Empire lasted, I tried to write down the number of years and I decided I didn't want to give a history lesson, but think about the empires and kingdoms of the past. They're gone and one day the United States will be gone too. My view, your view needs to be one that's eternal. Um, 2 Corinthians, and I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've read the Bible cover to cover. I haven't. This verse I, I found, and I'm not even sure when I found, this past year. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm starting in verse 16. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. When I take my focus off the news, I don't watch much of I look at Facebook to look at fun pictures people post and fun comments, and I scroll right on past that stuff that's, that's negative and hurtful. But my focus shouldn't be on any of those things. It should be on what's eternal. That's what matters. That's what lasts. If Christ is truly in my heart, if he's truly in your heart, then this is not our home. We're only here temporarily, kind of like a a vacation, an extended vacation, I guess. It's just a temporary stay. Our home is somewhere else. Um, It's really easy to get discouraged, like I said, by the news. I try not to watch very much of it. I don't want to be unaware of what's going on, but I don't want to dwell on it, and I don't have to watch it several times a day i found that if you watch the news in the morning after about 30 minutes, it starts to repeat. It's the same stories, it's the same weather forecast, it's the same thing. So getting things out of your mind helps not to dwell on them. I saw a post online with Tony Evans and it says, um, it talked about concern versus worry. He said, concern you control but worry controls you. And then I saw another post, I don't remember who shared this, but it said worry is worshiping the problem. So focus off of that problem. Philippians 4, you guys know this, poor forces rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, there's that witness again, let your gentleness be evident to all. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody where you stand and what you believe. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Not anything. Not what's going on now. Not what might be going on next year, next month. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, I'm sorry, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, that's Paul. Whatever we see Paul do and say, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. A couple more verses to look at, and I'll wrap it up. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And we read part of 1 John earlier, 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. My view ought to be the same viewpoint as Christ. And I know we're, we're, I can't have the mind of Christ. It's, it's a, God's ways are above mine. But the more time I spend in his word, praying, encouraging his flock, serving others, energizing my witness. The more time I spend there, the less time I have to be worried or nervous or fearful. Um, you guys know this, but God's not worried. He's not surprised. He's not in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, what are we going to do? None of this that's happened in our the past 12 months was a surprise to him. Um, He knew even though we didn't. I don't know how things are going to turn out. But I'm wasting my time if I'm worried, if I'm fearful, and I go inside myself and don't interact with others. That's not helping any. If we spend our time engaging in God's word, exhibiting kindness to everybody, exemplifying what a model citizen looks like, Encouraging others, exceeding in our service, energizing our witness, eternalizing our point of view—that leaves no time to worry, and all that time spent growing my relationship with Christ. And that—that's really what what we're all about here. It's relationship. It's not. Do you go to church? Do you have some kind of religion? Are you here every Sunday? Do you watch it on TV? That. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, it's not a list of works. I mean, I listed some ideas and ways for you to show love to others, but that's not what this is either. It's a way of life. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about people you've made friends with and how you got to know them. You got to know them by spending time with them and doing things they like to do and doing things together and the relationship with Jesus Christ is not any different. It grows because we spend time with him, and we spend time with him here, and we spend time with him in prayer. We can spend time with him, fellowshipping with our fellow believers, but that's what it takes to grow that relationship. We're gonna close with our song. So if there's, I, I do wanna ask this, if you aren't sure, about what this relationship really means, then I know Dave would be willing to tell you, I'd be willing to talk to you about it, but it's, it's more than just coming to church and doing good things. Let's pray real quick. God, I thank you so much for giving me an opportunity just to come and share with my heart, and I pray, God, that, that the word doesn't, the word grows and continues, and that we can feel Comfort in knowing that you're in charge of everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.